Good day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Just Fish Outdoors. I'm your host, Dale York, and I designed Just Fish Outdoors to focus on freshwater lakes and streams and to provide information, tips, and techniques, along with how-to segments for catching everything from crappie to catfish. We will also provide tips on equipment, tackle, boating, and much, much more. All of this is aimed at helping you catch more fish and have fun doing it. So join us each week as we talk about my favorite subject, fishing. And that brings us to our focus today. Uh, Our focus today is going to be on hybrid fishing. And to help us locate and catch these great fish, we have several special guests in the studio today who are very knowledgeable, uh, even borderline expert on this subject. So we'll go around the table here and ask them to introduce themselves, tell us a little bit about them and uh, what they do. Uh, David Clark. I've been fishing for the hybrid stripers for about 25 years on Skytook and Sooner and a little bit on Beaver Lake. It's been going real good this last spring. Steve? Hey, good morning, Dale. Uh, Appreciate you having me on this morning. Uh, but my name is Steve Carroll. Uh, I, I pretty much uh, exclusively fish for anything with stripes on it. Uh, <laughs> we do uh, m- mainly hybrid stripers in the springtime. Uh, and again, mainly up on Sky Took Lake. Uh, like David said, this year was uh, the general consensus was that was about the best year anybody had ever seen up on Sky. T- uh, we caught just unbelievable numbers of fish and, and good sized fish all spring. So <laughs> you didn't really retire. You just changed jobs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, Robin? Um, I'm Robin Schweers, and I'm not a guide. I'm a fisherman. My husband, Ed, usually puts me on the fish, but I fish for pretty much anything I can catch except for catfish. I hate catching those suckers. <laughs> <laughs> You're in good company. Uh, yeah. Robin is what you would call, I guess, an avid angler. I guess that would be a... I'm a bit addicted. <laughs> Well, aren't we all? <laughs> that that uh, pretty much sums all of us up here. Uh, folks, to give you a little background on hybrids, uh, striped bass hybrids are, are hatchery produced. Uh, they're a cross between a female striped bass and a male white bass. Uh, they're totally hatchery produced. Uh, they do exhibit some spawning activity similar to the white bass and the stripers in the spring. Uh, but as of yet, I don't think anyone's really observed any actual spawning fry of, of the hybrid stripers. Uh, you guys, uh, any of the research you've read say anything different? No. They, they say they, uh, we asked a while back, the wildlife department, why they don't put them in Keystone uh-huh. because of the shad population so good. Right. And they said they didn't want them mixing with the striper population. Huh. And I said, well, they don't spawn. They said, well, in some instances we found where they do. Really? But now there's hybrids in Keystone anyway because they're coming down from call. Yeah, and the big flood they had, what was it, back in 96, where basically call lost all of their hybrids that got into the Arkansas River system. And, uh, you know, they started appearing in Keystone, you know, several years ago. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, they're they're not like they're not there now. They're really (laughs) big and fat in Keystone, too. They're huge. Well... You know, as growing up on Keystone and and watching the sad shad populations over the year in Keystone, uh, you know, with the constant uh, flow that Keystone exhibits, 
the shad just explode in that lake every year. It's got one of the best shad populations of probably any of our northeastern Oklahoma reservoirs over a period of time. And uh, it's not like anything wants a food up there. Uh, you know, hybrids can grow two pounds a year or more. And I see no reason why they wouldn't grow two pounds a year in Keystone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. They they can just go crazy up there. Uh, also, uh, you know, we'll we'll talk a little bit about the characteristics. Where do hybrids hang out? What are the where's some of the best places to find these things? Uh, you know, in lakes, uh, hybrids like to stay in open water. They're an open water fish. They're more kin in many respects to stripers than they are sand bass, especially once they get above two, three, four pounds. They start, in my humble opinion, uh, exhibiting more traits of a striper than they do a sand bass. Is that what you guys are seeing as well? I think what you're saying is right as far as what I've seen. This year, we've uh, Steve actually found them. Um, there's been like a honey hole all spring right on the edge of a channel. They move in, they're moving in and out off the channel, but they're still in 30 feet of water. There's no... Uh, structure around it's just a channel they're not yeah. structure oriented at all but if you find some old foundations or something like that sometimes you'll find them around there too or rope they're real good about following road beds yeah is, is that what you experience as well steve as they get uh, yeah bigger? that's the, what we've what we've been noticing up on sky took mainly is a pretty predictable pattern of these fish are uh they're going to key on the bait fish so if you can find if you've got electronics and you can find bait fish you'll probably be pretty close to where the hybrids are and then what you want to look for is uh, this particular area where david's talking about uh and there's three or four places very similar to this up on sky took where there's a major bend in the river channel and a shallower flat nearby so the flat for in this particular spot is about 30 feet deep. The river drops off into about 60 feet of water. But there's a major bend in that river channel right there, and we've literally been catching fish up there for, what, two or three months now? Good Just two or three months. Almost, in the, in the almost every day. It, from the 90s, in the 80s to the hundreds of fish a day that you guys yeah. have been catching on your trips. Yeah, we had this this earlier this year, It's not and not so much right now, but... Earlier this year, we all have been in the boat with uh, on, on days where we had over a hundred fish caught, <laughs> and that's just Lord. in six hours, right? Yeah, in a in a six hour trip. <laughs> yeah, well, you can go through a lot of shad with catching a hundred yeah. fish in six hours. And, that, and it's a good and point. Furious. It's a good point. Uh, of course, uh, Robin and Dave and I all fish with live shad, which is um, really a, probably the key to the success is that's absolutely the hybrid's favorite food is and you know is a native bait fish uh, in the lake so uh you have a you have a huge advantage if you can fish with live shad yeah that's uh, kind of like slow rolling a pork chop in a dog pound you know that's <laughs> yes. uh <laughs> yes exactly. you know they they yeah. will not they won't you won't get a bite you get assaulted is what happens yeah. so uh yeah that's uh you know for those of you who are, who are wanting to learn how to hybrid fish uh, you know, one of the first things I'd recommend is is you book a trip with one of these guys uh, and pick their brains. They're, these people are more than happy to share knowledge and, and to share tactics with anyone who asks. Uh, you know, and, and you can save so much money over the long run 
uh, by booking a trip with one of these people, and or maybe two or three. Absolutely. And, and folks, right now, I want to emphasize, you know, the kids are out of school. And when you put kids together with hybrids in one of these guides, you have magic. I mean, you will laugh. You will, you will just, they will keep you in stitches. These fish pull so hard. And uh, especially if you got a child that's 10, 12 years old, uh, you know, it's a tug of war between the kid and the fish. And, and you will just absolutely have a blast. And uh, everyone we're talking to today is kid friendly. You know, they love to have kids on their boat, they cater to families. And uh, I, I just can't imagine a better thing to do for a, a mom or dad in the morning or an afternoon to book one of these trips. On the the family thing and all, as far as uh, several years ago, my son and I started going to the Oklahoma Striper Club Association. As far as tips and learning and all that, you can't find a better group of people to learn that from. We And they're just a good group of people. Uh, this coming month, uh, one of the a uh, real good fisherman, Kenny, is going to give a demonstration on downrigging for stripers. Every month we have somebody different either talking about locators or how to keep shad alive or how to throw a cast net. Uh, but it's a real good organization if you're interested in learning. And my son literally grew up in the club learning how to fish and met a lot of nice people and stuff. It's really a great organization. It's been around a long time. And uh, like you said, uh, Dave, it does have some wonderful information. And, uh, you know, besides booking a trip with you guys, that's the other thing that I would recommend is them to get active and go to some meetings and, and just start talking to these folks. I mean, you guys do boat shows, you do tackle shows, you do all kinds of things with the, with the club that keeps them active. And, uh, you know, if, if someone's trying to or, or looking at maybe purchasing a boat, uh, you know, they can come to these clubs, uh, with this club, and start talking to some of the guides, some of the people there, try to get a background or some interest or some or, or some pointers in, you know, what kind of boat, why did you choose this boat, what kind of electronics, why did you choose this electronics, and so on, so on, so forth. And, uh, you know, in the long run, they can save a lot of money in doing this. So anyway, we'll get back to uh, some characteristics of the, of the uh, hybrids here. Uh, you, you know, they, they frequently travel in larger schools. Uh, you don't normally see, uh, you know, 8 or 10 or 12 fish in a school. It, it's usually much greater than that. One of the things that becomes a problem uh, or or a different changing tactic, so, is as the water warms as it is now, uh, you know, those fish move constantly. I mean, they're just constantly moving around the water, and that's where your good electronics comes in, and that's also where booking a trip with a guide will, will really help out in that respect. Using some of these tips that we're giving you on the characteristics, also booking with some of these guides will get you going down the road to learn how to catch these fish. You know, an, another thing that we'll talk about is rigs. We've talked a little bit about live bait. There seems to be a consensus among everyone that the best bait is live shad. Absolutely. Okay, so first question, how do you catch live shad? What do you do? Robin? Well, I don't catch them, so you yeah. might as well tell them. You, I watch them caught. Wait, but, wait on Ed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how you catch them. You say, Ed, honey, I yeah. want to go fishing. Yeah. <laughs> well, we uh, we've we pretty much uh, just about everybody in the striper club uh, and most of the guys that that really fish hybrids a lot uh, catch most of their bait down on the navigation channel over around the port of Catoosa. 
there's a boat ramp there in Catoosa uh, called Rogers Point. Uh, it's pretty easy access. The bait there is uh, fairly consistent to be able to catch it. One of the uh, uh, things that makes the Rogers Point shad uh, hardier than other places is the fact that you, when you throw the net over there, you don't catch 100 shad at a time usually. So they're not getting beat up in the net real bad, losing scales, and, and you know you don't have to show up at, at the lake that day or the next day with bait that's injured. You want your bait to be as frisky as possible. And, and a lot of the guys in the striper club and certainly all the guides have the ability to keep live bait at their house in, in home bait tanks, and we've all pretty much uh, perfected techniques to – to be able to keep the fish alive and and uh, and have a ready a ready supply of fish, so uh, you know having fresh bait, having frisky bait is real important. Uh, that gets harder as the summer uh, water temps get warmer. Uh, it just makes it a little more challenging. Uh, you can have some terrible days. I woke up yesterday afternoon, yesterday morning, uh, getting ready to head down to Texas for a two day trip and. I woke up to 250 dead shad in my garage, and my wife was the one that pointed that out to me. Uh, she smelled it through the garage door, uh, so that kind of delayed my departure a little bit. Yeah, I bet I bet she was a little frisky about that, <laughs> oh, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you can have some good days and some bad days uh, dealing with shad at home, but uh, it's 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 a, always a learning experience, and uh I think David and I both uh, have a lot of uh, folks get in the boat to learn how to do this. And we, like like Dale said a minute ago, we specialize in, in teaching this technique uh, to anybody that wants to learn it. We, we have a free exchange of information. We're not hiding our fishing hole. We're not, uh, we don't have any secret tips that we don't share. Right. But it's... Um, there's a lot of information to absorb. Right. Yeah, Robin. I was just going to say when Ed and I first started fishing for hybrid, he had a, he built a, a homemade bait tank, you know, to go in the in the boat to hold the bait in there and try to keep them frisky and everything. And we were doing everything that we thought we were supposed to do, and we'd stop on fish or what we thought we were fish, and we just couldn't catch them, and we couldn't figure it out. Finally, we decided that we needed to hire a guide, and. They absolutely will teach you what to do. So many people, they go out there and they think all they need to do to figure out how to catch hybrid is to follow the guides around. But you need to do more than follow them around. You need to hire them because they'll they'll share their secrets. They'll tell you how to do it. They'll teach you the techniques and get you doing it right. Yeah, they they will make your journey much less bumpy. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And, and you will start catching fish a whole lot quicker. You know, little nuances in in like for instance looking at your electronics, how to set up your electronics for IDing these fish, how to find these fish on your electronics. What do these schools look like on your electronics? You know, in the course of a couple of hours you may be cruising around the lake and you may see several what looks like schools of fish on your sonar, but having some tips from some experts that can show you how to differentiate between fish that are catchable and a log laying on the bottom of the lake, you know, is one of those things that uh, 
is priceless. Or it even can the save difference you. between a hybrid and a catfish. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Catfish returns a totally different signal because of well, we can get into that. We can do a whole yeah. other show on that because of the head and the hardness of the head and the bones in the head and different things. Uh, you they, they just return a totally different signal on your electronics than what a school of hybrids will be. So uh, you know, learning some of these techniques is uh, is the way to go, folks. It's definitely the way to go. Uh, you know, to learn what lakes in Oklahoma have these fish. You can go to the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife website. They have a complete list there of, of where these hybrids are. You know, they they are just the, the hardest fighting, pulling fish there is. Uh, they have different patterns in the spring, the summer, the fall, and the winter. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, since we started with the baits, I, I want to stay on baits just a bit, and let's ask to describe exactly how they rig their rods uh, what rods do they prefer? What lines do they prefer? You know, how do they rig their rods? What hooks? What sinkers? What do you guys do here? I I use a ugly stick and with a uh, Garcia sixty five hundred, and then I use fairly light line. You want to use light as light as line as possible because you got a shad down there. To him, it's a big rope, so you want a small diameter. I go with twelve pound, and I'll use that whether I'm fishing for big stripers in Arkansas or hybrids on Skytook. You just leave your drag light. Well, there's a terminology that, that some of these people that are listening may not understand. You know, you, you'll hear the terminology downlines. You'll hear the terminology free swimmers. Uh, could one of you folks take that and run with that and, and explain to us what that is? The, the downline is nothing but to bass fishermen in a Carolina rig where you have the uh, – sinker above a swivel about two two or three feet sometimes more sometimes the length of the leader will make a big difference and then the uh, hook about two say three feet below the sinker just let the shad swim the free swimmer will be a uh, a line with nothing but a split shot on it three feet above the hook and throw it out behind the boat or to the side sometimes that works a lot better in the summertime because then the bait has time to sink and acclimate to the water temperature as it's sinking down or if you're using a downline straight underneath the boat, sometimes that'll kill the bait fairly quick, especially if you get in the thermal client area. So, so most of the time you guys are using downlines as a pair, as opposed to free swimmers. I love free swimmers. I love them, but a lot of the guides don't like them as much because when you get that many, you usually have what eight to twelve rods in at one time, and if you have people using swim, free swimmers and they don't really know how to handle them they can get tangled up really badly in the other rods and and other lines and in the motors and all that stuff so i think the guides really prefer doing downlines most of the time well it's it does make it a lot easier one in the in the springtime uh another technique that i use and certainly use downlines a lot uh but i use i've i've fished down on the coast a lot and i've borrowed a technique uh, and a and a piece of equipment from my coastal experience, uh, a popping cork, and that lets me fish the bait out away from the boat. It lets me fish in real shallow water, and these and part of the false spawning activity that that Dale mentioned a minute ago is is a likeness to uh, shallow water, especially in early spring, when the bait fish are first becoming active in the springtime. The hybrids, of course, will follow the bait sh- bait fish up into shallow water, and with a popping cork, you can have all the advantages of a free swimming bait, 
But you can also, what Robin was talking about is these free swimming baits. They can, you can throw them out 50 feet behind the boat. And in 30 seconds, they're back under the boat swimming around, <laughs> mingling <laughs> with everybody else yeah. and tangling everybody, you know, tangling all the other lines up, and you don't even know it. Right. So with this popping cork, you always know where your bait is, and that lets me fish right. some inexperienced anglers with this technique, uh, and, and they can know where their bait is, and we catch a lot of fish in the springtime. It's, it's almost like fishing with topwater lures. Because the bait is never more than about a foot or a foot and a half away from the popping cork, and he'll swim desperately trying to get away from a big hybrid, <laughs> uh, even sometimes jumping clear out of the water. Yeah, they'll try to crawl on top of that cork. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that people find that a lot of fun. It doesn't last very long. The, you know, Usually by the middle of May the or by the end of May, certainly the, the fish have moved out of that shallow pattern and are out there on those 30 foot ledges and and that's just impractical at that point but right but it is another really fun technique that you can fish uh that you can use for about a month in the early springtime and and i have people that will will book trips in in uh in January during the boat shows, and they just they strictly want to go catch fish on popping corks. <laughs> yeah. So once you've done it, yeah, you want to go do it again. Yeah, it's, it, it, yeah, it is a blast, and, and it's it, it really is too a blast catching them on free swimmers to a certain extent. Yes. I love that. You know, yes. I mean, you, you know, all of a sudden your shad is a hundred yards down the lake. <laughs> yeah, you know, and you don't even have to set the hook; the hook's already gone. Oh, you yeah. know, all you got to do is start reeling the fish in. Well, it's it's by far the very most natural looking presentation right. for a, for a live bait to be out there swimming with little or no weight attached to him and sometimes that's those fish can get so finicky or so neutral that's that's the only way you can catch them now once you catch two or three out of a school you know you can get the school fired up and start casting them on down lines but sometimes you know you have to use those free swimmers to catch your two or three fish to fire that school up and get them going so it's it's that that brings up that brings up another another uh aspect of technique that we all use uh and it's it's legal in oklahoma it's not legal in some places but we we all chum a lot you know we can uh david and i and and robin and ed all use some pretty high-end electronics to to find these fish and we've we've had a lot of practice with locating fish out in open water but you know finding the fish isn't that hard uh, getting them to bite sometimes is another story altogether. And we we chum with our, our we keep our dead baits and cut them up into little pieces and serve them up as hors d'oeuvres. And like <laughs> Dale said, once you get you only need to get one or two fish feeding, and then they all want to feed. Yeah, yeah. So, it, it's like flicking the light switch. Oh on, man, and it's it is so un- much fun, and it, it yeah. is crazy how fast that happens. Yeah. I mean, you can be sitting there with four or five down rods on a boat, nothing going. You start chumming or throw a free swimmer out there, and you catch a couple of fish, and all of a sudden, all your rods are gone. They're all da- they're all swimming off. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Cause y'all are making me want to go fishing right now. <laughs> it, it makes it 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 and it, you know it adds a, another aspect that you know for somebody that doesn't want to or can't fish with live bait, you can go you can go get some minnows or you can go catch some bait and cut it up into little pieces and chum 
and and fish those fish with a slab. Yeah, you know, yeah, and not and not even have to have live bait. Right. Well, that's the challenge for me. You know, I I I enjoy catching them on artificial bait. Yes. So I I will spend a lot of time trying to trick those fish into biting. And uh, you know, I mean, I will not catch as many fish sometimes as you guys will do with a live bait. But for me, that's that's part of the enjoyment is getting that fish to hit and catching that fish. Uh, so, folks, to kind of recap here briefly. Uh, you know, these fish are in several Oklahoma lakes. They're in a lot of our tail races below our dam. Uh, they do real good in fast water as well. Uh, you, you can catch them on live bait. Uh, you don't have to go to the extent of building a big, huge, uh, live well in your house like some of these (laughs) folks have done. Uh, you know, these people are sick individuals, but that's a different story. (laughs) Uh, but you can catch them on big minnows. You can go to the bait shop you know catch them on goldfish they they'll eat a variety of of live bait so you don't have to go to all the extents of catching these shad uh but at the same time you know you can go to the lake get a throw net catch a few fish catch a few shad put them in a bucket or your live well in your boat and as long as you don't put more than six eight or ten in there turn your aerators on you can keep them alive for a long time so you know you don't have to go to the extent that some of these people do so uh you know Take that in consideration when you're when you're doing this, but get out there and try this hybrid fishing because, folks, it is fantastic. And, folks, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, Dave Clark, Steve Carroll, same thing. Both of these guys are family friendly. You can catch him on fishingnotebook.com as well. Robin, thanks for coming on the show well, and, and giving me. a little different perspective. And, uh, folks, uh, don't forget send us an email. Tell us how you like the show or how we can change it. Uh, If you have a suggestion, uh, and we'll put a show together for you. You can also catch us on Just Fish Outdoors on Facebook. And, uh, folks, don't forget, get out and enjoy one of the many lakes or streams we're blessed to have. Thanks for listening. And that'll wrap up this week's show. Folks, uh, be sure you go over to our website or catch us on our Facebook page. Uh, That's Just Fish Outdoors. Or if you'd like more information about the show or something we can help with, feel free to drop us a line, JustFishOutdoors at JustFish.com. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening.